Welcome to Growing in the Gospel with Father Zach Weber. It is the second Sunday of Lent. Father Zach here. Hope your Lent is going well. We're going to dive into the Gospel today to get ready for this Sunday. And this Sunday, our Gospel comes from the Gospel of Matthew. We've been in Matthew for a while here. We're going to jump around a little bit after this throughout the remainder of Lent. But we're going to begin with Matthew 17, 1 through 9. This is encourage you to get out your Bible, call upon the Holy Spirit, pull up a friend if you can, and really just take time to pray. Maybe before you do anything, press pause and say, how is my Lent going? How am I doing with my resolutions? I've broke a few already, even as a priest, but I think the encouragement is always to move forward and not to give up and not to remain in the middle, not to remain in that in-between spot, but to continue to persevere. Uh, I recently had a friend this week even ask me, would you be my accountability partner? And I was kind of like, well, that's important. So just to check in a few times a week. So maybe find somebody yourself to hold you accountable to, to read the word every day and to spend time with the word. And again, our gospel comes from Matthew 17, 1 through 9. And our gospel begins with, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with him. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When they heard this, they fell prostrate and were very much afraid. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise, and do not be afraid. And when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one, but Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, Do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Hopefully we know that this is the story of Jesus and his transfiguration, which is, I would say, essential. It's essential for us to understand you know, to allow that subtle struggle between the divine and the human to give, to give the power to the upper hand, which would be to God. In some translations, this particular reading begins with, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain. And Jesus' transfiguration confirms divine sonship. And it also strengthens, strengthens three early church leaders of Peter, James, and John. So just at a very basic level, it's important to know that Jesus had 
we call them the big three often. If you ever done a focus Bible study, they talk about the big three. Then it's saying that the Jesus have favorites. Some could definitely argue that. And to say he invested particularly in three men. And as he did this, he was transfigured before them. And Jesus unveils his glory. So he's actually veiling his glory before. But when we look at the Old Testament background for this event of, of God's self-revelation to Moses on Mount Sinai, we see a lot of parallels happening. So remember, this happens after six days. So with Moses, we hear that both take place on the seventh day, the transfiguration here. This also occurs on a mountain. So we're looking at Exodus 24 right now. And then both Jesus and Moses take three companions with them. And that says both the faces of Jesus and Moses shine with God's glory and both involve the glory cloud of God's presence. And both events involve God speaking through a heavenly voice. So anagogically, the glory that's shown around the disciples on the, on the Mount of Transfiguration prefigures the contemplation of God in eternity when the minds of the saints will be forever lifted up from the lower concerns and engulfed in the blazing light of the Trinity. I just love that those words from Dionysus, uh, you know, the blazing light happening here. So these three are led up a mountain and even the word led up the mountain in the Greek is that he had to drag them up the mountains. They weren't exactly willing in everything they did. Um, They had to, so, so to speak, jump off the fence so the event of the transfiguration is essential for us to understand that life in Christ is about fullness now, right now. And the transfiguration is the experience of the fullness of divine presence, action, and communication of glory now, right in our very midst, in a world that seems to be full of passing pleasures and disappointments. So symbolically, when we read the Gospel of Matthew earlier, in the first half of the gospel, we have Mount, excuse me, we have, we have the Beatitudes, the Mount of the Beatitudes. And in the middle here, we have Mount Tabor, Mount, Transver- Mount of Transfiguration. And at the end, we have Golgotha, or the Mount of the Cross. So if the Beatitudes are the new Decalogue, here on Mount Tabor, Jesus is revealed as himself as possessing divine glory and embodying the, the new law. So no longer do we have to hear from thunder and lightning as a presence of God or even fire, but actually it's light. And it, it says in our gospel today that his, his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white. But notice how there's, there's like no reflection. It's purely coming from his source. And even in, in John 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And he doesn't mean this in metaphorical. He means literally I am. And he also is pointing to the, to the disciples the necessity of the cross and the reality of suffering so that his glory can shine permanently at the second coming. But Jesus is confirming the faith of this inner nucleus of the church, represented by Peter, James, and John, against the approaching passion. And that transfiguration, you know, the change form or that that metamorphosis 
This change is a glorious change where Jesus, a new Adam, takes up all of humanity in himself, in himself. And now Jesus, the new Moses, wants to bring about a permanent change for his people so they can know the holy presence of God and learn to listen, to learn to listen to his son. There's different translations where Jesus is, you know, with Moses and Elijah, and, and Moses and Elijah clearly represent here the Old Testament figures talking about, you know, the prophets and the law. You know, Elijah, the prophets, and Moses, the law. And this is also a way for us as Christians to say, was Jesus talking to saints? Because it said they were conversing with him. When we talk to our Protestant evangelical brothers, we can definitely point that out to allow the, the face of Jesus, the light of Jesus to show in Scripture that, yes, he was indeed talking with them. So, yes, you can talk to saints. And our saints always bring our prayers straight to Jesus. They don't take anything away. And as Catholics, you can do both and. But also, Peter is, is very aware that he wants to capture in his outburst of his words, which he also often has foot and mouth disease, we call it. He puts his foot, foot right in his mouth. But he says, Lord, it is good that we are here. And some translations say, Lord, it is a beautiful thing that we are here. If you wish, I'll make through three booths here. And the repetition of the word here, he says it a few times, saying this is a blessed spot. But in this outburst of his typical generosity, Peter volunteers to house Jesus and his heavenly guests. I mean, you have to imagine if you're if you're Peter, James and John, and you see Moses and Elijah, you gotta be thinking, oh my goodness, this is huge. And Peter actually wants to capture or catch the ecstasy. He actually wants to house the glory and beauty of God. But who could blame him? You know, if you're, if, you're, if you're that in that moment, you're like, let's just press pause here. But Peter indeed senses that heaven and earth have come together for him and his companions that day on the mountain in a way that uncountably, unaccountably satisfies the deepest longings of our nature. And then while he's speaking and, you know, maybe even babbling a little bit, but maybe just saying like, this is good. I don't, I don't want it to end, Lord. He's speaking from the desires of his heart. And we always have to know that Lord always wants to hear the desires of our heart. But then as he's, as he's speaking, the word behold comes in. It says, while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. You know, it's weird to hear, usually hear dark clouds overshadow them, but very rarely do we hear bright clouds. And it says, a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased as, you know, and we, when they hear that, and they, they see that light, Peter, James, and John here, they know that how holy God was and how close he was to them. And they, they melt like wax before him. And in, the, in that bright cloud, that voice speaks, and they would have known something special is happening here. And out of reverence, they fall on their faces. They fall prostrate.
And sometimes the words, you know, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased doesn't really get the point across, but it says, listen to him. And some, some translations say that this is my beloved son in whom I delight. Listen to him or even delight in him. And that's what, that's what Peter is trying to do here. He's trying to delight. He's trying to delight. But he's aware of, of, of how small he is before God. He's aware of, of God's immensity. So he, they fall on their faces. And this posture is the posture of people who are overwhelmed by God's glory. And it says they were, were afraid, right? They're filled with awe. That, that's, it's not like a fear like, I'm scared to go drive because it's icy out today. Or it's, I'm afraid because I have a conflict with somebody. It's, I'm afraid of how amazing and good God is. It's, it's a holy fear. It's a holy fear. And Jesus came to them and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. Could you imagine having no fear? Like really not being afraid? Because that rise is the same Greek used for resurrection when Jesus rose. And think of how fearless the Lord was. And the Lord wants to bring us from that in-between spot to the cross and to go through the cross and experience the resurrection. And when they lifted their eyes, it says that they saw Jesus only. Seeing Jesus and recognizing for who, for who he is will help you re- re- know and, and realize that there's no one else to see in life. And the transfiguration anticipates Immortal, the immortal triumph of the resurrection. And they're all already is saying the essential power that defeats death. So Jesus raises his disciples up to himself out of their fear, just as he wants to do with you and I. And maybe press pause right now and write down, what are my fears? What are my fears? Fears of confrontation, fears of conflict, fears of losing, losing myself, fear of actually being known as a disciple of Jesus. Because eventually when we have these, these moments of transfiguration in our lives and we have these deep understandings, you know, we have to deal with the fact we have to go down from, down from the mountain because Jesus has to suffer. And he wanted them to know this moment, almost like a preview of a movie. But he's saying, now we have to see the whole thing, how it unfolds. And the transfiguration does not extend only to the body of Jesus and for a passing moment. The coming passion and crucifixion are themselves transfigured in our eyes as we approach them literally in the light of the episode of the transfiguration of Mount Tabor. And this will enable enable us to see light flowing from the cross. For if there is darkness at noon at the crucifixion, it shall be because the light streaming from the cross outshines the natural light of the sun. And on Mount Tabor, at the transfiguration, light pours forth from him. But on Calvary, it will be blood. And the unity and identity of blood and water, or blood and light, in the person of Christ symbolically reveal that it is glorious, the glorious and life-giving blood of God that is communicated by Jesus Christ. So God shines upon us always. 
But the rays of his glory now take the form of light and the form of blood to cleanse us from our sins. And this, this divine moment of Jesus emptying himself occurs only in and through the man God of Jesus. So we affirm categorically that the main occupation of Christians is to await the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of God, the Savior, Jesus Christ. And why did Jesus, why did he say, you know, don't tell anyone of the vision until a son of man is raised from the dead? And the reason for that is because everything that Jesus did, the weight of it all was caused through the power of his resurrection, the power of his resurrection, the fact of his resurrection. We got to get out of the middle. We got to get out of that in-between spot. And we have to move from the Beatitudes, which we just had you know, a few weeks ago. We have to go to the Mount of Transfiguration, encounter him, be transformed by his light. But then we got to be transformed by his blood on the cross. I don't know where you're at in your faith, but it's important to take time and really be real. Where are you at? And ask for the grace to live without fear, to fall on your face and to delight in him, to listen to him. That is God's will for us. Will you spend time in silence to listen to Jesus? Know of my prayers for you. And the song I'm going to end with is called Somewhere Between by Mike Mangione. A little more upbeat, maybe it'll help you on this Lenten journey. And may Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. They were running from salvation, and I was standing in the door. And you know I aim to be thorough, yet I always miss the end. And you stood there waiting for me. I was running with my friends. And you ask me where I've been, cause I've been nowhere to be seen. But you're looking far and wide, baby, I'm somewhere in between. You were talking about the river, how we washed the city clean. And I was staring at the bridge and the other side I've never seen. Yes, you know I love you, baby. And I'll always feel the end. But the highways built in directions that I have lost so many friends. And you asked me for an answer. I either burn or I come clean. But you're asking too much, baby.
yourself barehanded. I take what's left with shame. I heard Vinny came back from the desert, but that boy don't look the same. You count my hairs in London, leave the tally at the door. I heard the mother's milk is gone sour, but the fools, they begging more. And you begged me to surrender, to make a perfect offering. Once you're asking too much, baby, cause I'm stuck here in between. 